Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy, the TDN Podcast. Fantasy Podcast. With your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome in to the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Paige Demakos, Jake Arians, Jamie Eisner, and we are back. We've got some fun uh, discussion points to get into today at the top uh, from betonline.ag. We're going to look at a couple of a couple of fun lines, right? There's not a lot of sports to gamble on right now, so these are these are some things that you might, you know, if you have a little itch, you gotta you gotta get after it and, and look at some of these things. We're we're going to talk about them. Uh, there's been a lot of discussion around who's going to join the Monday Night Football crew now that ESPN is making a change there. And then we're going to talk about the AFC West, right? We've been going through all the divisions, talking about the draft classes, how we feel about them now. And we will look at one of the better divisions in football by far. A lot of excitement around the AFC West heading into this season. So first and foremost, guys, Monday Night Football, couple of, couple of fun names here. So they're, they're moving on from, from what they had going on, and they're moving, into, moving in a new direction. And they have not announced it yet. A lot of it, I think, surrounds the fact that CBS obviously made a big move to lock up Tony Romo long-term, so now ESPN is looking for their version of that. So the top five, uh, according to betonline.ag, the the most likely candidate is Brian Greasy, uh, followed closely behind by Lewis Riddick, Dan Orlovsky, Matt Hasselbeck, and Kurt Warner. So, Jamie, if you were betting on this, uh, where would you put your money? Yeah, I mean, those are all interesting names. I know we talked a little bit before the show about how Lewis Riddick's stars kind of rising uh, at ESPN. And, you know, there's, we even heard his name thrown out a couple years ago in some GM conversations. So would not shock me to see him make that, that Mayock-like journey back uh, into the front office, into a front office spot. But um, I, I don't know, because it's really going to depend on what they want this crew to be. Uh, and, and what specific positions? Like, have they filled any of these positions between play-by-play, color, and side? Yeah. No. So the, the, I'm wondering, was wondering, like, if we're now betting on three people because I don't. None of those guys are play-by-play. And, and for those of you that don't know, you know, there's there's a significant difference between what is expected of you in a play-by-play commentator versus color commentator. The, the roles are different. The voices are different. The expectations are different. That's why you typically see, um, you know, a journalistic background for the play-by-play. And color commentary is usually a former player that, or an expert on the situation, and then you have somebody on the sidelines. So these odds are specifically for color commentating. So okay. not, not, not for anything other. So this whole list is player-esque, former players. That's the whole list, right? So, um, And then there's will ESPN use a Monday Night Football three-person booth? I mean, it's the heavy favorite is no. Uh, there was a lot of people that did not like that version, right, when they had Witten and Booger and Joe Testator. Uh, then they moved away from that last year, obviously, with Jason Witten going back to play football. But if you had to guess at one of these guys being a color commentator, which would it be, Jamie? I'd probably then, if it's, if it's strictly color commentator, then Lewis Riddick. Uh, I think he could do that role a bit better. Maybe him and Steve Levy have heard that name float out there as a possible play-by-play guy for them. Uh, I think that would make sense with the more traditional sideline reporter of, the, of one of their you know, dozens of ESPN reporters that they have there. That would probably make the most sense to me. Does it matter? I, I get it. Probably to not. Like this, are any of them touching Joe Buck and Troy Aikman? And they're not even coming close to the GOAT in Jim Nance and his partner, Tony Romo. Like, it doesn't 
it doesn't matter to me. I, I'll go Brian Greasy. I'll go with one of the quarterbacks. Please, so, God, not Hasselback or Orlovsky. So that's what that's yeah, more my. Yeah, I agree on that. Yeah, that's that's more my thought process here. Is like, do any of these guys move the needle for you? Like, does anybody yeah. really yeah. really touch the surface of the like Joe Buck Aikman? Which you know, a lot of people don't like Joe Buck and Aikman, and then obviously. Plenty they of people have, don't the, like Joe Buck. Because they're the high, high yeah. right? Like, you have to have chemistry. Your play-by-play yeah. guy, as Amy was saying, is the hard position. you got to be phenomenal because you got a producer talking in your ear. You're cutting a commercial. You're reading the right commercial. You're throwing it back. You're setting up the play. That's hard. That is a hard job. Color's actually really easy. If as a former player, you're just talking about what you saw on that play. And with the speed-up, yeah, college is really easy because they're all no huddle. You talk for, like, eight seconds. You got to talk for a while in the NFL. Like Romo talked too long for a while, and he's got him. In, but Nance is so easy because he's the best, and the chemistry has to be there. None of these names wow anybody because ESPN has nobody left. Yeah. Tell me who is going to compete with any of like, that's the two big boys. I don't know that they're competing with the second and third crews on some of these stations. They're not, and that's that to me brings up the point of one excellent point about chemistry. I think chemistry is more important than name value. If you you could have two no names, but their chemistry and it flows. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You become a name. Close to those three. Yeah, you become a name if you have good flow and you don't you don't take away from the game because it's very easy for bad announcing to take away from the game. And by the way, it's going to be even easier this season considering there's not going to be any at least legitimate background noise. There might be pumped in background noise, but. Uh, to me, I almost wish that ESPN would have just gone, and maybe they still will, but I doubt it because they usually take the safe option. But go out of the box. You know, this is this is a company that's been known to show you the national championship game from a thousand different angles, perspectives, coaches' rooms. Why don't you get creative? Why don't you go maybe a, a heavy heavy gambling focused broadcast? Why don't you go a heavy coaches focused broadcast? Why don't you? I'm not saying you have to have like the the like the Octavox thing that they have on national championship for every Monday night game. But maybe break from the mold a little bit because you clearly are not going to compete with the top color commentators and the top play-by-play guys in the industry. They, they, are, they have been scooped up by CBS and Fox and, 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 and NBC in, in case yeah. of their, their main platform. So you're not going to have those guys. So why are you trying to compete with that? Why don't you go a different direction? Like they, they, they talk about this a lot. And like if you already like if you open up a burger shop or you want to open up a restaurant, let's say, and you're right next to the best burger shop in town, don't open up a burger shop because you're not going to be better than them. Open up something different. And that, that theory can apply here too. Give them something different. Be the first one to be more progressive on one of these fronts and maybe get headlines for that and do that element of commentating better than anybody else. Because like Jake said, you're not going to beat Nance and Romo. You're not going to beat Buck and Aikman. You're not going to beat Collinsworth and Michaels. You're, just, you're not even going to touch those guys. So I, I don't know if you want to just get a watered down version of it. But the other side of me goes, I don't really watch football games for the commentary. Like I, and I, I, it's why I thought some of these numbers surrounding how much they're going to pay Tony Romo or how much we talked about earlier in the offseason, how much they might pay Peyton Manning for this role. It was just like, do you get that kind of a, do you get a multi-million dollar value add based on having any commentators relative to the average level? I don't know if you do. Here's why this doesn't matter. It's flipping Monday Night Football. You yeah. own the damn ratings anyway. Yeah. Everybody's watching regardless of what they hear. I thought Booger was awesome last year I, by himself. And him and Testor were good. They didn't really have the name value and the chemistry. Didn't, they, they were one season. They couldn't build it long enough. But it doesn't matter. It's Monday Night Football. And ESPN owns the rights, and they're going to put one of their guys in there. Give me Mike Tirico and Louis Riddick if I'm picking. Oh, yeah. Top, top tier. 
top tier. That that's the big mistake for me with ESPN was letting Tariko go to NBC because I think for my money, I think Tariko's one of the best, if not the best, as far as what his role is. And I think when I look at this list, right, there's some of kind of the more out-of-the-box names as it goes further down, Pat McAfee, Nate Burleson, Jay Cutler, right, some of the Eli Manning. Nate um, Burleson is awesome. I think Nate Burleson would be fantastic. I think that's that would be a, a awesome. that would be an excellent hire um, for ESPN. I think really I agree with you guys. I just think it's fun to think about who is going to be filling this what is such a prominent feature of football right Monday night football is such a big it's just it is football right it's that was the key item for a lot before we had Thursday night football and before there were other like so, Monday night is a big deal and putting together a top tier crew will be interesting I think the only name that Jamie mentioned that would move the needle for me just strictly off an interest level is Peyton Manning. If Peyton Manning ended up in the booth along somebody else, he is the only name, and he's not even on this list. He is the only name where I think there are, he is so mainstream that people that are not necessarily the biggest football fans, because they know him, right? Because he's Papa John's and Saturday Night Live and do like he's enough mainstream that I think people would be like, yeah, okay, Peyton Manning. I could get behind that. Maybe I was thinking, maybe at least initially, just to see out of intrigue, right? Maybe not long term, but I think as far as name value goes, like respectfully to Tony Romo, Peyton here, Tony here, right? As far like yeah. just from name value. So I think that's the only one, and he's not on this list. He's the only one for me personally that I would go, yeah, okay, that moves the needle for me. That's the only one that it should be. Like, you're talking Monday Night Football. They departed so far from the Peyton Manning-type booth to what they've had the last few years. You're not going to get that. It's, I mean, if, even if Peyton Manning, as entertaining and funny as he is, as awesome as he is at those kind of the, uh, Saturday Night Live and everything else, you better give him a Jim Nance quality, Mike Tirico or somebody, or it's not going to be that good. Because that totally position agree. is so vitally important, and people don't pay attention to that as much. Like, the color doesn't talk. It's a third to two-thirds. The play-by-play -play guy is the guy. Pat Summerall was the guy, not John Madden. John Madden, they both had the voice, but the chemistry was out of this world, right? That's what makes it work. That's what they better come up with. It doesn't really matter which guy is doing the color. They better have a badass chemistry with the play-by-play -play and the color guy. Agreed. And, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think the, the dream scenario for me is the one that's not going to happen, and that's Mike Tirico and Peyton Manning. I think that would be, like, absolute home run, like – just as good, if not better, than every single other booth and everything that exists out there. And I've I've watched Peyton's show that's on ESPN Plus, and it's really really good. And he's good. and he's he's entertaining and he's fun. And I think Tariko would be the perfect level of setup man, right? Because that's what you're doing. You're setting up these guys in moments. But Jake said it right. Everybody everybody talks about the the former athlete or whoever else, but in all reality. The guys who do the driving, guys and girls who do the driving, that's the hard part. And that's, that's where the play-by-play -play is Peyton, so hard. Be a learning curve. Yeah. There's going to be a learning curve even with Peyton because the timing. For sure. Like, the thing with Peyton, though, if he ever took a job like that, he tries so the attention hard. to detail and the prep effort would be out of this world. That's why Tony Romo is so good. He has yeah. friggin' Jim Nance, who's unbelievable, and he works his ass off. So, like, it, it, it wouldn't take Peyton long. But even with that, there's going to be a learning curve. So, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I would love to see something like that. Monday Night Football deserves something like that. I just think listening, like, as much as I've enjoyed 
the childlike way that Tony Romo kind of talks about football sometimes. And he's so excited and he's breaking down plays as they're happening. Like thinking about Peyton doing that is like takes what Tony does. It just puts it on steroids for me. Like thinking about Peyton breaking down what is happening from a quarterback perspective as you're watching a defense on Monday night football, like that for me moves the needle. Like I would watch, I would watch a separate broadcast of Peyton while the game was going on, just breaking stuff down from his perspective. Like that's that might that, be better because we don't have time to break it down in between. That's that. how great would that be? Great, as you said, childlike, very remedial. That's yeah. what makes Tony so damn good. Yeah, everybody can understand it because he can do it in the context of the time that he has, which is not a lot. It, it, it's the same formula. It, it's different. It's different. People do it different ways. But why did John Madden become so beloved? Yes, it was the personality, it was the character, but he also would sit back and explain to you why things mattered in a way that you didn't have to have played the game or you didn't have to have studied the game to know. The casual fan, which is, again, what you are going for, it is Monday Night Football. It is, I just got home from eight, nine, ten hours of work. I'm sitting on the couch with a slice of pizza and a beer, and I want to watch what used to be the game of the week. Now that's usually Sunday Night Football because of the way they schedule. But watch one of the best games of football. Sometimes you just, we just want commentary that, speaks to that point and yeah. ESPN has the ability to do that and ESPN by the way has the ability to do multi-broadcast if they wanted to I mean what, what else are you sh- what are you showing on ESPN 2 during Monday Night Football what is getting yeah. watched at that point Nothing. like unless it's, it's playoff time and you have something what else is going on on those channels are you showing reruns of ESPN news I mean you could put on a Peyton Manning broadcast you could put on a, a coach's broadcast I mean they have the ability to get creative with this and they've done it before but it'll be interesting to see what they end up going with yeah, I think it'll be it'll be fun to pay attention to this as we get closer to the season, and that's something you can you can bet on if you have a feeling one way or the other. All right, the the other piece of betting news that I'm looking here, and I'm looking at the odds and the NFL season odds that are available right now is Thursday, September 10th, as it sits right now, the Dolphins starting QB for their first regular season game. Ryan Fitzpatrick, a heavy favorite, obviously, at minus 350. But Tua, the line has moved. So it was a, a little bit less. Now it's getting more likely. It was, it was like plus – I can't remember where it was, but it shows on here that it's moved. So it was plus, it's plus 200 right now. And then Josh Rosen is on this list at plus 2,500, which is, which is obviously not happening. Yeah, steal your money. Yeah, steal, steal your money. Uh, Jamie, is there any scenario – other than an injury in which you see Tua playing over Ryan Fitzpatrick? No, there, there's not. And it's, I, I get it. Uh, and I think at one point it was plus 210. I actually wrote about this earlier or right after the draft. Uh, and obviously I talked about this with uh, some Miami Dolphins experts and everybody's in very equal lockstep, coaches, uh, fans, experts. Ryan Fitzpatrick's the starting quarterback of the Miami Dolphins in 2020. And there's absolutely no reason he shouldn't be. If he is healthy, willing, and able to go out on the field for week one, regardless of where Tua is in his hip progression, regardless of where Tua is in his playbook progression, he will be on the bench behind Fitzpatrick for week one and maybe the whole season. And that's and we, as we talked about on the show a lot, that's not a bad thing. That's really not. Take the time. Get fully healthy. Learn the system. You're going to have an abridged amount of time this offseason. It's going to be a tougher transition than usual for rookies anyway. Uh, so there's no reason to rush him into it. Miami's not trying to compete this year. They have a long-term vision in mind, and it started with the moves they made last year, and, it's, and it continued with this draft. There's nothing that Fitzpatrick showed you in the back half of that season to say that there's anybody else more capable of leading this Dolphins team right now. He is the pick. Jake? I'll take it a step further. If Fitzpatrick's hurt in training camp, I don't think Tua starts over Josh Rosen. 
I don't think they can move him for enough capital in the meantime. He knows the offense better than Tua. You're still taking a chance with Tua's health. And Rosa was a damn first-round pick, keep in mind. He's not a bust. He got moved for Kyler Murray for, for less capital. Like, I think they're still going to try to move him. You know, maybe Washington makes a play, somebody like that, in case they're not sure of Dwayne Haskins, and maybe they want to take a flyer on somebody. But I don't think they're going to get enough capital for that in the meantime. I think Rosen's the backup, and Tua's holding the clipboard regardless. I don't think they're going to take a chance till at least midseason. Okay. All right. I think I'm, – I'm in agreement with you. I think – I don't think there's any way – that two is a starting quarterback week one. I, I'm, I think Josh Rosen would start. I'm in agreement with you. I think Rosen would start over two in week one, too, because especially like Jamie, you mentioned the season, you're not, they're not going to get a traditional off season as a rookie to get prepared to come into camp. And you're not going to get all that. And that's going to be changed. He, oh, by the way, the injury is, is still a thing. We haven't seen. He missed six weeks with the coaches. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that's a lot and- of time. I mean, I don't think they're out at the facilities yet. So, I mean, no. he's missed time of, uh, with the trainers. I don't care how good his trainers are. They're not as good as the NFL ones. Yeah, that's, that's, that is exactly right. That is exactly not right. Not to mention, Fitzpatrick was freaking awesome last year. Exactly. He was, he was exactly – Also that. His team. <laughs> he did. He was fantastic, and he – man, he sure was fun to watch down the stretch. He, he's honestly – he's always fun to watch, and that beard is that epic – levels i mean extraordinary levels throughout this quarantine because he started in an extraordinary place and it's reached a level i didn't even know existed for his beard so we'll continue on the beard watch as we uh get to training i can't imagine wanting to keep that beard in miami in the summertime with the humidity but that's i'm like all right you do your, do your thing fits you're he's a, he's a crazy dude I, I like watching him play all right afc west guys this is a, a division that i've been very excited to talk about because i think we've We've somehow managed to talk about them in many other podcasts where we're not talking about this division because of the fact that there is so much talent in this division. Um, and, and really, the, the bottom is not where is the bottom for this division. I mean, there, there are a lot of good teams here, obviously, with Kansas City coming off a Super Bowl victory and a lot of, a, a lot of good drafts here. And we'll start off with one of the drafts that I think TN liked across the board. was very excited about the Denver Broncos and what they did um, in, in this last, in this 2020 draft. So they go Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, Lloyd Cushenberry, Ty, Tyree Cleveland, Derek Tuska, Justin Strand, um, McTelvin Agram. They they had they had a really really good draft overall. From most of the most of the TDN staff was very happy with what they did. Jake, were you in agreement with with most of the guys that this was a good draft? Yeah, because they really have four. Deshaun Hamilton's already there with Cortland Sutton. They got their tight end last year. They got three running backs. I, I'm the biggest thing. I, I I love both receivers. I mean, get Jerry Judy was awesome. Hamler's a speed demon. I think he he's probably a first round talent. But getting Kirshenberry in the third round, when you need interior offensive line help, to me that when you lost a guy last year, awesome, stud player LSU played a ton of plays, uh, really really solid there. I love that pick. And what they said was, okay, our defense is pretty good. We can get after the passer, but if we can't score points, we have no chance in this division. That's that is yeah, that is like exactly it. right. That is I was gonna say they added on a, for a traditional Vic Fangio where you're going okay the defense is gonna be this but like them going heavy obviously with two top tier wide receivers and then getting Melvin Gordon in the off season you're obviously looking at this offense now and you're going now all of a sudden this offense could be 
could potentially be scary, especially if quarter young quarterback takes a step forward. Jamie, your thoughts on their draft? Well, we used to talk about the Peyton Manning effect and how that changed the, the way the AFC South operated. There's the Patrick Mahomes effect. You are chasing the best quarterback in football for the foreseeable future. And every, and every single NFL team starts their season with has any sort of playoff aspirations. Your goal one is to win your division. And to do that, you're going to have to outscore the Kansas City Chiefs at some point, which is way easier said than done. But I like these moves because they're very different. The, uh, you know, Jerry Judy is uh, – with, with Hamler coming in, I imagine Judy's going to play a little bit more on the outside because Hamler is a, is a big slot speed. He's like a vertical field stretcher from the slot. Uh, I think he provides something they don't have. I love the way Judy plays. I love the way Court and Sutton plays. But they don't have that game breaker, that potential throw it up twice a game, take top off the defense type of guy that's a real threat for them. And Hamler can be that role out of the slot. Uh, again, Cushenberry in the third round, love that one as well. Uh, you know, the Missouri tight end that they got in the fourth is going to be interesting as they keep loading up at that spot. Noah Fant coming back is going to be uh, – started to show flashes last year. They're going to take another step forward this year. The whole, this, this team is going to be based on the progression of Drew Locke, and they have put a team around him to put him in the best chance to succeed. He now has plenty of weapons. I mean, I, I know two of them are young, but I love the combination of Sutton, Judy, and Hamler. Like, I think that's a pretty darn good combination with Fanta tight end. Uh, you've got pieces on the offensive line. You've got Melvin Gordon and Phillip Lindsay and Royce Freeman all in the backfield. I mean, there are a lot of pieces on that offense to set up for success. If Drew Locke takes a significant step forward this year, the Broncos are going to be a problem with the way that defense played down the stretch with having a defensive-minded head coach. That's a team that might not win their division because of the Chiefs, but that could be, the, that could be one of the four or five best teams in the entire conference. Yeah, yeah the biggest I, thing there, Jamie, is probably the most ready guy of this entire receiver group to go out and play in week one. The whole thing with this offense to me hinges on Drew Locke hasn't played enough snaps, and he's going to be playing with rookies. Now you're talking about do they take an extra step? Do they cut that route a yard short? Do they bend that out route instead of breaking it off sharp? All those things right there, there's a lot of picks coming for a quarterback unless they get all – and we don't, we don't have this offseason to get it worked out. Like, to me, this offense is going to take a while. The second half of the season, I could see it rolling. Early on, I think you can play a lot of man and get after the quarterback with them, and, and there's going to be – they're going to try to run it early, I think and try to get some of this worked out. Because I think there's going to be some growing pains in his second year. But, man, second, I, I agree with you 100%. The second half of the season, you get these guys seasoned a little bit, get some of those kinks worked out, get the practice schedule going. The future is bright for sure. I mean, that's the, it also means it hinges on the offensive line and Drew Locke taking another step forward. Jamie, way too early excitement from a fantasy perspective on Jerry, Judy, and K.J. Hamler, your initial thoughts. Uh, you know, I look at Judy right now as like a low-end wide receiver three, high-end wide receiver four. You're going to be surprised when all of you out there start doing your wide receiver research, how many really good receivers are out there that are, you would be considered, you know, mid-level wide receiver twos most years. You're going to find there's like 30 of those guys that you're going to feel like you could be like, oh, okay, I could, I could, you know, you're going to, ranking guys from like 12 to 30 is going to be absolutely a nightmare because uh, there's a lot of talent there. So, uh, you know, again, I'm always cautious about rookie wide receivers. Uh, they usually are not as productive right out of the gate, especially early in the season. Uh, and again, I don't know how much the Broncos are going to throw, how much they want to throw early in the season. So volume is going to be a factor too. But they're interesting plays for me. I like them more if it's a flex spot, very top of my bench. But uh, And Hamler more of the bench guy at this point. I don't think he's, he's not going to be a volume guy, I don't believe. So interested in those guys, but I'm not, I'm not going out of my way to add them to my team. Okay. 
we'll, 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 I'm sure we'll get back to them and talk about them at a later time. Jake, overall draft grade for the Denver Broncos. B plus. B plus. I mean, they, they added a way to keep up offensively with, with all three of those first three picks. I think basically you had three starters in the first three rounds, so B plus was really solid. Jamie? Yeah, I agree. B plus as well. Okay. B plus. We like the Denver Broncos moves and we were higher on them last year than most people were too. And they, they started off slow, but man, they picked it up at the they had that terrible start. Yep. They but, had that terrible start. We were right. They were more talented than they played early in the year. Yep. But back half of the season, uh, much, much, much better version of, of this football team. All right. The Super Bowl champs, the Kansas city chiefs, their, their draft, a lot of people obviously excited about Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, um, Lucas Niang, Willie Gay, Mike Dana, Ladarius Sneed. Listen, when you're Super Bowl champs, you don't you, – you, the, the goal here is not to look at this draft class and go, oh, my God, A-plus, right? Because you just won the Super Bowl, right? But one of the things that we've talked about since Kareem Hunt left was this running game. And now they have a lot in, the, in that backfield. And Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is somebody that a lot of people were excited about. So, Jake, I'll go to you first here. What was your overall thoughts of, of this draft class and Niang, who is a, you know, a tackle that a lot of people were excited about, and, and then Clyde Edwards-Hilaire um, and the rest of this draft class? He's a tackle that had issues, right, is why he dropped. I mean, he's yep. a first-round talent, but there was some off-field stuff, some stuff that followed him around. This Kansas City taking a flyer on a guy like that again because they have such a good culture there. I love that pick in the second round. They needed tackle help, and having a swing guy is, is really good, uh, having that depth. But Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I mean, we start first, first start talking about the process. We're talking fourth, fifth round. He ends up getting hot and running all the way up. It's the perfect fit, right? He's not Kareem Hunt in my, in my estimate. I don't think he has the speed. He ran, like, four, close to 4'7". But he's so quick. I don't know how you're going to cover him out of the backfield. Hands are phenomenal. He picks up the blitz. He sticks his face in there. He can run out of shotgun really well. I love the pick. I mean, you're, like you said, the Super Bowl champs, and you added two real key you know, pieces – to the puzzle in rounds one and two. Uh, but him, I didn't really have to do a whole lot out other than draft him. And I, I was, I'm on, I was on this show saying Damian Williams was, should have been the Super Bowl MVP. You don't need to take a running back in, in round one. I didn't think that was the way they'd go, but he's the perfect fit. Yeah. And, and that, that's, that's why he went where he did it. That was a draft prop that cashed for me. Uh, <laughs> being the first off the board there. I, it just, it, it's, it's a perfect fit for what they need. Uh, you know, Damian Williams is not a bad back, but they, they needed somebody they could, but he has injury history and they needed that more pure pass catching back. Edward Tiller is a great route runner out of the backfield. Can, like Jake said, just listed all his accolades, all the things he can do for you. Uh, my, my caution for fantasy owners this year is that this is, this is inevitable. He's going to get overdrawn of draft boards. And I would caution that as talented as he is, Andy Reid does have a history of easing rookie, all rookie offensive players, but particularly rookie running backs into his system. And they do have capable bodies there. You know, uh, with Damian Williams, Daryl Williams has been successful when he's gotten the chance. DeAndre Washington, if you watched what he did when Josh Jacobs went down last year, very capable backs. They're going to let, they, obviously Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's future is unbelievably bright. But for year one, if you're going to be paying top 15 running back value, which is kind of where he's going right now in very early drafts, I think you're going to be disappointed, but he's a great fit for them. Uh, the Willie Gay pick in round two was great. Niang, like Jake said, I thought he could be a Titans pick at the end of the first round uh, to be their a potential right tackle candidate for them. So I, I like those picks for them. They're Look, they're, they're Super Bowl champs. They only have, what, six picks in this draft? But yeah. uh, they're going to be in a really good chance to 
repeat for their championship. It's hard. Obviously, it's extremely difficult, but they're in really good shape. If, if they get more, if Patrick Holmes doesn't miss those couple games, they don't drop those games at Arrowhead like they did, although who knows what home field advantage looks like this coming year. We'll see what that looks <laughs> That's still to be determined. But if they don't drop those games at Arrowhead like they did early last season, they're going to be in contention to be the number one overall team in the NFL and the AFC once again. Yeah, their regular season wasn't spectacular, right? They, I mean, you think about that loss on the road at Tennessee. They had they had losses and they had a couple – what, did they lose three in a row at home? Or it was the first time in a long time they'd done that. Like, it wasn't – this wasn't spectacular from the beginning to the end, right? They ended the season spectacular. And Mahomes coming back, obviously, was huge for this team. But if you think about a full year of Mahomes, all of a sudden this team, again, but like we've said, it's very, very hard. The, the New England Patriots I agree, have... but they are limited. Okay. They All right, let's hear it. Let's they, hear it. I don't think the receiving core is that good. I, Kelsey, okay. Kelsey uh, is, a, is a freak, but has injury history. Tyree Kill is a freak and a matchup nightmare. Other than that, that's why I think Clyde Edwards-Hillow is such an important pick for them because yep. it's another matchup nightmare. Those three guys are matchup nightmares, but you're not putting out the best receiving core in football. I keep seeing, like, Tyree Kill and pick one of these other guys. No. Yeah, no. Travis Kelsey's a tight end. Then they're limited at receiver. They're still not not that good on defense. Played really good down the stretch. They got to stay healthy. I mean, this is all Patrick Mahomes elevating what we think of the Chiefs. For sure, of course. It'll very much potentially, I mean, to a lesser degree, but maybe end up being the conversation that we've had about Russell Wilson, right? Where we're looking around at the roster, we're going, yeah, I mean, the roster's – Okay. They're yeah. a lot better than that. And that's what I'm saying. Like the roster's the, the roster's better and they have the best quarterback, right? So it's like my point they, is from a draft perspective. Of course. I would have loved in this this phenomenal receiver draft. For to go get one. Take another impact player that could they could play next year. And it doesn't have to be this crazy fastest dude that's ever lived speed that's not a receiver guy. They get a real receiver to take Sammy Watkins' role, who was not very good after week one. I'm with you. I and think it was all scheme for him. It was all he was just beating people. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see if they, uh, you know, find and address that eventually. But that that looming contract for uh, for Patrick Mahomes is going to make things interesting to see where this team goes. They got an opportunity here this year, and then. He's going to get paid a lot of money, very deserved money, but he's going to get paid a lot of money. That's going to make trying to trying to bring in other guys uh, more difficult. Okay, Jamie, draft grade here for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I mean, I, I, give them, I give them a B. I mean, they didn't have a lot of picks to work with. I love the yeah. Edward Tolaire fit. I, lo- I, love the, I like the first three picks, but they didn't have a lot of capital to work with. But that's, I mean, that's the nature of where they are. Jake? Yeah, B, B minus. I would have loved to see them add another receiver, a true receiver later on to go with that receiving core. Just add a little more depth. Okay. They got a bunch of weird dudes that aren't like, other than Sammy Watkins, who's supposed to be a total, you know, package receiver. They don't really have that. No, they don't have a number. They don't have a number one. They don't have, yeah. They do. Tyree Kill's a number one. He's a freak, but. But he's not like, he's not like Julio Jones. Not what Sammy Watkins is supposed to be. Sammy Watkins is not a $15 million Mike Evans, right? I mean, Keenan Allen in that division. They don't have that. Yeah. I would have loved to have seen them take a flyer on somebody. There was a bunch of guys left in rounds three and four that they could have got. We'll see. I was, they should have traded Damian Williams in a second for Hopkins. Oh, my. Can, <laughs> can you even imagine? Oh, no, my God. 
Oh, I now that's not. I can't even think about anything else. What the hell? That would have been so fantastic if that's what we got. Yeah, could you imagine trading? I'd, could you oh, imagine trading a, like a mid-level running back in a second-round pick? Could you I'd imagine like, that I'd, happening in the NFL? I'd, I can't. Oh, I'd be like, all right, Hopkins for I don't know how many the, the most touchdowns of all time, probably. Uh, oh God, that would be insane to think about. Uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, feels good to say out loud. I'm excited. I know Oakland. I'm sorry, uh, but as a person who lives within driving distance to Vegas. Uh, this is strictly selfish in me saying that I am beyond excited that there is a football team in Vegas. I have driven past the stadium. I have looked at the magnificent strip and then looked the other way and gone. If, if you could take what was already so perfect and then add something to add it just, just to heaven, right? Just create an even, just a slightly better experience to Vegas. They did it. And that stadium, man, they've been putting out videos and they're hyping it up and man, it looks nice. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be quite the experience going to Vegas and it's not going to be the black hole because every single team that plays there, that is going to be the destination game by a mile. And it might not be this season because we don't know if there's going to be fans, but the casinos are going to be open because the casinos are opening. They're, they're on their way. So they're, they're going to be fans there. June 4th. Yeah, that's, that's, that's just like my good gambling friend Jamie would tell me that the date uh, that it's going to open back up. It's going to uh, be like London with educated fans. Okay, you're I like that. New Jersey represented. It's and a good no way to say it. Whatever, but you're going to have – they're not going to cheer on kickoffs, right? It's going to be football. You know, it, the stadium is awesome. It reminds me of like Independence Day. It's like the Death Star looking down the strip. It's like a movie. Yes. It's in this big, bad, black glass stadium. It was like the end of the strip. Yeah, I'll cross 15 over there, but it's like on it. Yeah, and it's it, on It's it. like just looming right there is like this big presence in Vegas. I cannot wait. Yeah. I can't yeah, wait. My suggestion, bet, bet the oh. over and then just cheer for points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's Just go over, but take, take an over ticket, get some beers and cheer for points. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be a hell of an experience. That is for sure. So let's talk about this draft class though. Uh, Henry Ruggs, Damon Arnett, Lynn Browden, Brian Edwards, Tanner Muse, John Simpson, Amik Robertson. Uh, you know, obviously this first pick, Henry Ruggs, we have been talking about everybody, a lot of excitement for, for this pick, for what he's going to bring to the table, what he's going to bring to this team. So, Jamie, your, your initial reaction to what Las Vegas did in their first Las Vegas draft. Yeah, this was, uh, this was another draft prop I cashed with Henry Ruggs first off the board. Uh, such a Raiders pick, really is. Uh, just, again, dynamic speed. Uh, I, I think it's not just the addition of Henry Ruggs when you talk about. It's the return, hopefully, of a much healthier Tyrell Williams. Uh, going down with that foot injury, as we've, I mean, I feel like we've talked about this Frank injuries on the show more than any other show, podcast in the history of sports. But that injury that he's, Tyrell Williams suffered in the middle of the season really hampered his play. And anybody who had him in fantasy knows when watch his production go when that happened. Uh, so now you have him coming back. You add Henry Ruggs in the speed element, another year of Hunter Renfro, another year after Darren Waller broke out. There's enough weapon of returning Josh Jacobs without the major shoulder injury. You know, there are a lot of now pieces around him. And then again, you add, you add Lynn Bowden, who's going to be used all over the field, Brian Edwards, who I, I'm interested to see how he works in the offense over the next few years. Uh, so you have a lot of pieces now around Derek Carr in that offense. I'm very interested to see how they operate with all those new pieces. The Damon Arnett pick, this, is, this was this year's Cleveland Farrell pick. 
let's see, do, do they know something? Do they have a feeling? Does Mayock and Gruden have something that we don't know? Because, you know, our net was not the top, not probably not in the top three quarterbacks still left on the board at that point. Uh, but is this, do they know something? Is this, is this one of the ones where they saw something others didn't? Interested to see how that works out. And I like the Amik Robertson one. That was their last pick. It picked 139. They didn't pick after the fourth round. Uh, that was a pretty solid selection for them too. But it's all about the receivers in this draft. They took three or at least two receivers and a playmaker uh, in the first three picks. So I'm, I'm very interested to see how they work into the offense. Yeah, look, I'm on record to how much I love rugs. And what Jamie's point, if Tyrell Williams can come back and take the top off the defense, now you can have rugs do what he did at Alabama, which is come underneath and catch something that you can take to the house and you can't catch him. You know, just run a little drag route across the middle that you're, nobody's going to be able to match up with him on a zone. That's going to be awesome. Bowden's going to be really fun the same way. Get, it, get him the ball in space and just let him go do what he did at Kentucky, which was play quarterback, kind of, but it was just like this backyard awesomeness that he brought. Arnett's a really interesting pick. The difference between Farrell, everybody had Farrell as a first-round pick. They didn't have him as the third overall pick. Arnett's, I've talked to people third, fourth round. I mean, he was like eight, nine corners down the board from where there's the guys that were still left when they took him. That one's interesting, but I love the fact that they went all in on playmakers all over the field. You cannot say that they have a lack of guys now. They have depth. They've got dynamic speed. They've got a veteran presence, as you mentioned, Jamie, and the three guys coming back, and you're adding more guys to that. Um, and, and some of them are raw, and some of them will be, it'll be interesting. But Ruggs is a much more well-rounded receiver than just a speed demon that, that he got and gets credit for. Yeah. Uh, not a ton of production. I think he only had like 95 catches his whole career at Alabama. And one of every four went for a touchdown or something crazy like that. But uh, I like it. Now, solid, solid B could be really, really good. Could be, but could be better than that. But the Arnett thing, that downgrades that to me a little bit. They, they must have seen something that they love. Yeah, they got it. You got to assume that yeah, they're. Yeah, they got it. You got to assume that they. They think obviously they think they know something. It's to be determined on whether they do know something that everybody else doesn't know. Uh, we got a B from Jake, Jamie. Your draft grade, and then quick reaction to uh, Rugs' uh, fantasy way too early. Uh, I give them a B as well. And you know, again, if if our net plays out uh, unlike what we expect, or if he plays out to be a first round pick, then that grade goes up because I like the playmakers. Uh, Rugs to me would probably be my top rookie wide receiver. Um, on the board. I just think he's going to get a lot of opportunities. Uh, Tyra Williams is a, a four to five targets a game guy. Uh, you know, Hunter Renfro is the safety blanket underneath. I think Ruggs is going to be very soon the featured guy in that offense because that's, that type, that's the type of player he can be and that's the type of player they need him to be. Uh, when all those pieces are clicking, they have a lot of guys that work well together. I think that's what you like about this offense. And like Jake just described how, you know, Ruggs is a horizontal field stretcher too. I know, I know everyone t- talks about the 40 time. Ruggs can do it all. He's not a, he's not a guy that runs two routes. Um, so he's a guy that's going to have to take a more featured role in that offense. And I'm very interested to see, because I've done a lot of like write-ups on the Raiders recently. Derek Carr's touchdown percentage dropped almost a one and a half percent when Cooper and Crabtree left. It dropped from 5% to like three and a half. If he can get, if he has all these weapons healthy and playing for him now, if he can get back up to that 5% mark, you're starting to look at a quarterback that's going to be in the mid to upper 20 touchdowns again. And that's kind of where he needs to be because he now they're not paying a backup on a money. So it's one of those things that's going to be really interesting to see how they, how they operate because this team was really clicking before the wheels fell off the final month of the year. 
And now they're going to get guys healthy. They bring in the infusion of talent, a lot of talent on offense. You know, Abram may, Abram's coming back on defense, who I think, as Jake's talked about him, how much he loves him a lot. Dude's a difference maker. Just every, every play, he's around the ball. He's an energy bringer. If those guys can stay healthy, and are you bring back a healthy Jacobs, who wasn't healthy late in the season, even though he was playing. Tyrell Williams wasn't healthy late in the season, even though he was playing. If all those guys come back and click at the same time, this team is going to be a problem. Yeah. Like no, every this, team in this division. Like every, I was going to say, like every team in this division. This, this division is, is so interesting, and they're really, as all, a, a good transition here to finish up with the Chargers, the lowest win total in this division is tied between the Chargers and the Raiders at seven and a half. Like it's, that means that this division, along with what Vegas thinks, like there's no team in this division that they think is going to win five games, right, or four games. Like this is a really, really good evenly matched division and on top of that this is a division that play that's nasty to each other normally so now there's now there's this extra this this added benefit that everybody is going to be on a more even playing field and I'm I'm personally really excited to see what Derek Carr can do because I, I I've always liked Derek Carr and I know prior to his injury obviously he was playing significantly better they they haven't had all the talent around him so I'm excited to see what he can do this upcoming year with a, with a full arsenal. All right, the LA chart. Offensive line, Paige, to your point about yeah, that yep. makes all the weapons huge difference. Huge, absolutely a yeah, huge, do, do, huge do, difference. Do the two tackles continue their progression? Yep. Uh, those two young tackles that they have, because that was something that they were Mayock and company were very much criticized for. Uh, and they took a big step forward last year. Does that continue? Like they're, they're, the potential for this Raiders offense is through the roof. It really is. It's not Kansas City's offense or anything like that. But they have the potential to be a very, very strong and efficient offense. But again, they went heavy on the weapons to chase them, right? And we're going to talk yeah. about the Chargers next. Who I think their win total is 100% talking about who their starting quarterback is going to be early. I think that's going to change, but go ahead, Paige, set it up for us. Yeah, so the, the draft here, obviously, the first overall pick for, for the Chargers, Justin Herbert, quarterback of the future for this team. I think if, could you pick a better, could you better, could you typecast a better looking guy for the market, right? The dude just looks like LA. Like I, I looked at it and I was like, this is perfect marketing, perfect branding for, the, for that market uh, as, they, as they turn over a new leaf from Phillip Rivers has just been with the Chargers forever. Uh, it's going to be a different era watching somebody else uh, play quarterback there. Then Kenneth Murray, uh, Joshua Kelly, Joe Reed, Gilman, KJ Hill, wide receiver. So there, there's some excitement here. Obviously, Kenneth Murray, a linebacker that a lot of people are very excited about. Uh, potentially the quarterback of the future there. KJ Hill, good wide receiver that people are excited about. So this offense, we've talked about this team. It's they pain me because they piss me off every year that they don't live up to their full potential because this team has so much talent and now they're, they're, they're still have a lot of talent, but it's not Phillip rivers at the helm. Right. So that's the, that's the new aspect of this is that we're looking at this and yes, rivers was not good last year. We've talked about that a lot, but their offensive line wasn't good. They did make some additions, obviously, in, in free agency to address some changes to upgrade that. But, Jamie, specifically when you look at what they did in the draft to make this team better, we know we like – we know we all like this team because we've talked about them and they piss us off every year. But when you look at what they did, and obviously if Herbert hits, it's a win, right? But overall, as of right now, your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I, I like them trading back up to get uh, into the Patriots spot to get Kenneth Murray. I think that that's a day one, that could be a day one starter for them. 
you know, Herbert, I expect to be starting at some point midseason. I'm not sure if that's week four, week six, week eight, whatever it is. Uh, I don't expect Tyrod Taylor to finish the year, even healthy, to finish the year as the Chargers starter. We've talked about that. Josh Kelly's interesting. Uh, I do think that people are still sleeping on Justin Jackson. When he's gotten the opportunity, he's been uh, electric with the ball. And obviously, Austin Eckler is going to carry a lot of the workload. We'll see how much of the workload. It's a little bit different when you know you're now the guy for the entire season, not just until Melvin Gordon shows back up. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how they use him and how he gets used in this offense when you don't have Philip Rivers checking the ball down to him as often as he was. Uh, I want to see, does that happen? Does he have that same kind of rapport with Taylor and Herbert and company? Uh, I love the KJ Hill pick late. That's a worth, worthy flyer outside the top 200 to kind of see if, if he fits in. Uh, you know, look, they're not getting a lot of love in Vegas. Uh, I was shocked to see that total uh, below eight. But I understand there's not a lot of confidence in their QB situation. But they have playmakers everywhere. I mean, and they have a vastly improved offensive line. I mean, they had two premier offensive linemen since last year, one via trade, one via free agency. Derwin James is coming back healthy. You're adding Kenneth Murray to this defense. Uh, you know, you, you, have great, you have three really strong cornerbacks right now. You've got Keaton Allen, Mike Williams. I mean, you've got Hunter Henry's back. I mean, you've got a lot of pieces on this team. They don't need a superstar quarterback in order to have a winning record. They just need a quarterback that doesn't lose them football games. And if Tyrod Taylor can be what Cleveland wanted him to be a few years back of, just get us to the midway point of the year until we feel comfortable with our rookie and don't lose us games, they'll be fine. The, the, biggest, thing, the biggest issue they're going to have is – everyone in the division is really freaking good. And the fact they always seem to have injuries at major positions every single year. But to be fair, like they're the one team that has probably the biggest advantage of no fans in the stands this year. But I'm Jake, your, your thoughts uh, on this overall draft class. I love it. I absolutely love it. You took your quarterback in the future, whether it's or not, you had to take him from where you don't ever pick that high trading back up to take your quarterback on the defense of the future. And Kenneth Murray was the only place this defense was lacking was middle linebacker. And you took a stud that can fly all over the place. Yeah, he's so good. Extremely, you know, a need in this division for that, for that place. Love that. I like Kelly. I loved him at the senior bowl. He catches it really well out of the backfield. I think that's another addition. I don't know how much he has to play, but if you have an injury to Eckler, who's now carrying the load, it's another pass catching back that you could add in uh, to me by far. By far the best roster on paper. Yeah. In the division. Maybe in the freaking in the NFL. The only thing lacking is everybody in this division now is going to be putting up 30 a game. And I'm not sure you can do that with Tyrod Taylor. But you also have the best defense in this division and one of the best in football. So you're going to limit what everybody else is doing. Are they losing games by three? That's what it's going to come down to. Do they make the switch yeah. to Herbert? Or are they winning games because Tyrod Taylor can get down they kick a field goal and they can win it. If that's the case and they're six and two, I don't think Herbert plays. I don't think it's going to be the case. I think people are, they have a, they got a bad schedule too. I mean, they're playing the Saints, they're playing the Bucks, they're playing the Falcons, they play all these teams we just talked about in their own division. That defense is really good. But if they have these crazy injuries that Paige talked about that they always have, and you're losing games by three, now you're going to need more firepower at the quarterback position. Herbert's going to have to come in and play, but you have weapons. The addition of Balaga and Trey Turner on that offensive line was better than they, anything they could have done in the draft by far. But I give them an A. I love what they did trading back up and getting Kenneth Murray in the first round. So to, so to your point, before we wrap this up, just to go through their first eight, just to see gauge the temperature on where you guys think they're going to be. So Cincinnati, to start the season, they play at Cincinnati. 
win or loss. Win. 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 They play at home against the Chiefs. Loss. Loss. Okay. They play at home against the Panthers. Win. Win. They play on the road against the Bucks. Loss. Loss. They play on the road against the Saints. Loss. Loss. Okay. They play at home against the Jets. Win. Win. They play on the road at Miami. Win. Win. Okay. They play uh, at home against Jacksonville. Win. Win. So they're five and three at the half. They're point. five and three at the halfway point. I can see that. I mean, that's. I, at that point, if they're healthy, I don't think they move on from Tyrod Taylor. That's you're, that's kind of what I wanted to look at. Ten and six in a playoff berth. Yeah. Right now, now that you could haven't played the Raiders or the Broncos yet. So if of you course. Can somehow grab one of the first two that you play of them and they go back to back right they go they go home against the raiders on the road against the broncos on the road against the bills at home against the patriots that four game stretches i mean i know the patriots are not the patriots anymore potentially but that's that's a pretty nasty uh then they go falcons but then they go raiders broncos chiefs to end the season that's a that's a murderer's row would be interesting. i mean yeah, yeah. They'd be look if they're five and three with that second half. I don't know how you switch to Herbert, unless he's just looking unbelievable in practice, yeah. and you just you just you just trust what you're what you're getting that much. Yeah. Uh, if Tyrod's not turning it over, they're running it well, and that defense is healthy. You're going to be in every game. Yeah. To say you maybe you're going to play a rookie quarterback that could take you out of a game with two throws. I, I mean, they're so good everywhere. If they're healthy, I don't I don't know that he plays at all. Yeah, it'll be it'll be really interesting looking at that schedule to see where they are at that midway point and and whether or not they move to Herbert even before that potentially depending on if things go uh, differently. Uh, draft grades and then a, a one final question. So Jamie, your draft grade for the LA Chargers? Uh, I give them a B plus. They like what they did. It's all again the the biggest move of the draft is going to be the quarterback and whether or not that works out. So, but that's to be expected. But I love like you said, I love the move to get Murray up. I like some of the guys they took late. B plus. Jake? Yeah, I said, hey, I'm going to give him A minus. I mean, the okay. fact that they got, they moved, they had the balls. Tom Telesco made a move yeah. to go get really, look, you had to take the quarterback in round one. We all like him. You have to take that there, whether that hits or not. But to have the balls to come back and get the only thing you really need and a plug and play day one starter quarterback on the defense for the next 10 years, to me, that's an A minus, regardless of what else they did. It was awesome. Yeah. Have the ball, jump back up and take him. I love the fact that they did that because on paper, show me a team that's better on paper. It's so tough. It's yeah. tough. It's tough. You put, Mahomes, you put Mahomes on this team with health, they win 15 games. Oh, God, so, yeah. It's, I, I don't, yeah. It's, maybe 16. Yeah, yeah, good night. I don't know, I don't know how you beat guaranteed them. health. Yeah. I, I don't know how you would beat this team if that's the case. Yeah, can you imagine if you had that, uh, that group of wide receivers to throw to? You imagine Kevin Keenan Allen? How good is that defense? They just go out there and play. Yeah. If Patrick Mahomes get extra possessions because people are going three and out against that defense, oh, come on. Yeah, it might be averaging 50 points a game at that point. It might be really, really stupid. Uh, that, would be, that would be pretty fun. So last thought here, guys. If the Chiefs are not winning the division, okay, taking them out of the equation, who is winning the division, Jamie? The Chargers. Jakes? Yeah, Chargers. I, okay. I think the other two are going to have growing pains. They got weapons. They added weapons. They're doing what they can to keep up. But the Chargers are the Chargers are, the, are ready to go do that. Yeah. All, hinges, all of these things are on the quarterback play. 
Of course. But Tyrod Taylor's going to have to step up his game. Not only not turn it over, he's going to have to make plays for them to win games. Okay. All right. I figured, I figured that was the answer, but I, but I did, did want to see if there's any, you know, lasting impact to our scorn from last season towards the Chargers. So it hasn't, hasn't, hasn't. Uh, no, the burned. more we talk, the more I'm freaking jumping back. I know, man. I'm pit, but, I've, I've got a Super Bowl future on him at 40 to one. Woo. I love it. Take it, take a chance, James. There's a, listen, it's crazier. The crazier things have happened. That is for sure. Uh, Jake, final thoughts on today's podcast. This damn division is loaded. <laughs> yeah. This is my final thoughts. I mean, the Raiders are young on offense and defense, but man, they last year's draft was awesome. If this year's draft, 80% of that one, this is a young, fun team. that's still a ways a year or two away. Denver's a little bit closer because that defense is better and they added more weapons, but they got the young quarterback and there's their growing pains there. The chargers are freaking loaded everywhere. Can their quarterback make plays? And the Patrick Mahomes, who might have the worst roster of any of these teams, is just that damn good. But you're talking about electric. I mean, this is the old AFL, Don Coriel, everybody's airing it out. It's going to be a ton of fun. This, this division's loaded. Yeah, lots, lots of lots of fun around the AFC West. This division is unbelievable. Jamie, your final thoughts on today's podcast. Agreed. This is the best division in football. Every single AFC West in our division game is must-see football. I don't care what combination of teams. I don't care what part of the year. Uh, it's all going to be fun, and they're all going to play a little bit different styles, but they're all going to be very, very good. I, this, is, this is, to me, the really fun division. And right now, I mean, we did our win totals. I don't have a losing record in this division. So if, if that plays out, it's going to be very interesting, especially with the extra wild card spot. Uh, my final thoughts here are sign me up for a TDN fantasy Vegas road trip for this season. That's my fine. That, those are my parting thoughts as, as we sit live here, from the Death Star. Live from the Death Star. We're doing the TDN fantasy show. Uh, I have a feeling that that will be uh, pretty easily to convince uh, YouTube to make happen. So on that note, with this is the end of the podcast, please subscribe to the podcast. I've been telling you guys about this. We're going to give away some merchandise. I want to give away merchandise. So subscribe, give us a rating, uh, take a screenshot of it, send it to any of the three of us on social media. So that way we see it and we can enter you into June's giveaway where we're going to give away one of these shirts draft day every day. So you can't see me, but that's the, that's the shirt I'm rocking that Jamie and Jake can see right now. So it's a, it's definitely a cool dry fit shirt. We're going to give away one of those in June. Last thing, Jake, how can everybody follow you on social media? Jake B. Arians on Twitter. And Jamie? Follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. You guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an I on both Twitter and Instagram. You can be sure to check out thedraftnetwork.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.